0: Unless picked up early, lung cancer carries a dismal prognosis. Is there any hope of us detecting this devastating disease at a curable stage? You are listening to ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Lee Friedman, your host. And with me today is Dr. Michael Alberts, Chief Medical Officer at the H. Lee Moffitt Cancer Center in Tampa, Florida, Professor of Oncology and Medicine in the Department of Interdisciplinary Oncology, and on staff at the University of South Florida College of Medicine, also a past president of the American College of Chest Physicians. Thank you so much for being with us, Dr. Alberts. Well, thank you very much, Lee. Looking at picking up cancer early, perhaps it would be worthwhile outlining some of the principles uh, that we need in a good screening test.
1: Well, looking at uh, screening as a whole, are some features that may be beneficial in screening tests, one of which is, is it a safe procedure? Is it accessible? Is it accurate? Is it reproducible? Can it change outcomes? And perhaps less important, but also vital, is it cost-effective? These are features of a number of screening tests that really have to look at when you look at the efficacy and the efficiency of screening maneuvers.
0: And have we been able to come up with tests for lung cancer that satisfy at least some of these requirements?
1: Well, we have satisfy some of the requirements, but clearly not all of them. In the past, a number of different things have been looked at, like chest x-rays, sputum analysis, and most recently, low-dose CT scanning, have been looked at as possible lung cancer screening tools. There's no doubt that we need something. The pretty dismal statistics we have from lung cancer. It's definitely worth the effort to try to find something that may give us an edge on this terrible disease.
0: Does there seem to be a difference when we're looking at lung cancer in terms of the type of lung cancer that we might be trying to find? Would adeno or you know non small cell perhaps I should say versus small cell enter into our thinking?
1: Well absolutely a small cell cancer for example is a very aggressive tumor as you know and oftentimes presents with systemic disease before and there's any hint at all that anything's going on. But specifically looking at non small cell cancer, you know adenocarcinomas are primarily peripherally based and squamous cell carcinomas are centrally based. So some of the screening techniques may be good for identifying squamous cell cancers, but not good for adeno and vice versa, depending a little bit on the characteristics of the screening test.
0: And when we look at the screening tests that we have, why don't we go through it? It sounds like sputum cytology, chest radiography, and CT scanning basically safe and accessible. How accurate are these modalities?
1: Well, that's one of the big bugaboos here is accuracy. We're looking at sensitivity and specificity. For example, chest X-ray may be very specific or sensitive, but the actual accuracy has been looked at numerous times, especially in the 70s and 80s, and generally has been discounted as an effective screening tool. And that gets us to the most recently looked at modality, namely low-dose CT scanning. And here the sensitivity is very, very high, but it's a specificity. Sometimes it causes some difficulties. In trying to assess whether screening by this modality is beneficial.
0: I imagine from a practical standpoint, some of our medical legal climate might enter into that sensitivity side, trying to be sure that we're not going to miss anything.
1: Absolutely. That's another feature. A lot of times, you know, experienced clinicians can look at a CT scan and say, you know, there's a one in a million chance that this is a lung cancer, but nevertheless, one in a million times they may be wrong. And our litiginous situation a lot of times impacts on some of the decisions that we need to make.
0: How reproducible is CT? That is, if two different radiologists look at the same film, are there very clear delineating characteristics of a benign versus malignant process?
1: Well, it's pretty sensitive and pretty reproducible when you're looking at nodules as a whole. You know, with a slice thickness, sometimes there can be slight variation between scans. But in general, it's uh, fairly reproducible. Now, when you try to look at some soft criteria to try to define whether it's a malignant process or a benign process, some of those are pretty subjective. And here there are are some differences between uh, even well-trained and experienced radiologists, which is one of the... uh, of the difficulties using this modality in screening.
0: So we will certainly find those nodules, but whether or not we can make a call as to whether there's something to worry about or not, that's a much more difficult question.
1: Much more difficult. I mean, we can do so, but, you know, the problem with false negatives and false positives crops into being when you're looking at those things.
0: I've heard the argument put forth that the very biology of lung cancer cells makes it so that even picked up early and removed, there still may be microscopic metastases at that point. Is there some truth to that? Absolutely.
1: I think well, a lot of research needs to be done looking forward, but it may, may, in fact, that some tumors, some molecular signatures of tumors may imply that they're early metastasizer or they're late metastasizers or they won't metastasize at all, or the fact that they're even present. Perhaps they've already metastasized out of the chest. You know, it's hoped that maybe with personalized medicine and the molecular signatures, we can identify uh, lung cancers in the future. Perhaps it will will never become a, a major health problem for the patient. Or on the uh, contrary, for those who are uh, early metastasizers, perhaps the cancer is already spread outside the thorax, in which case surgery may not be beneficial. So that's, that's in the future, and we don't
0: know. There's a lot of promise but uh, it's obviously a, a fruitful area of research. Do you feel that the prognostic determinants are, may be radiologic, or will have to have biochemical markers for this?
1: Well, I, you know, obviously we don't know. I suspect that molecular imaging, or uh, you know, actual immunohistochemistry, electron microscopy, even molecular signatures will be necessary to make those kind of prognostic guesses, and obviously that will take actual tissue.
0: If you've just joined us, you're listening to ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Lee Friedman, and I'm speaking with Dr. Michael Alberts, the chief medical officer at the H. Lee Moffitt Cancer Center in Tampa, Florida, about screening for lung cancer. Where does the concept of bias come in as we look at screening tests such as CT?
1: Looking at CT as a screening modality it was very appealing. In fact, if you would think, if you get the lung cancer when it's small, that taking it out would be very beneficial to the individual patient. But unfortunately, we really haven't shown that to be true. We all hope that it's true, but that's what some of the ongoing randomized control trials are are going to look at in the next year or two when they become mature. It looks like in some of the observational studies that lung cancer screening by CT may be very beneficial. Some of the observational studies by the ILCAP group have produced some very favorable numbers. But once again, these are observational trials and not randomized trials, which we really need to define the fact that this is beneficial, this provides a mortality benefit for the individual patient. And that's where some of the biases get involved. The three that are always referred to with lung cancer screening are lead time and length time and overdiagnosis bias, all of which may make screening by CT scan look like uh, it will be a benefit, but it may actually not be when studied uh, with a randomized control type
0: trial. So in the observational studies, these biases can creep in and be very hard to sort out, whereas in the randomized controlled study, those biases should be factored out.
1: Should be mitigated and should be less of a uh, problem. Of course, the bias always enters in anything that we do, but uh, should be less of a factor.
0: And you mentioned that there are some trials going on at this time that are of the randomized perspective, double-blind nature.
1: It's a difficult study to do. Studies ongoing now are not perfect, but they will uh, definitely give us more information as far as the question that we'd like to have answered is that being the mortality benefit of lung cancer screening.
0: And are we looking at some preliminary results from these trials in the next few years or perhaps we're talking five, ten years down the road?
1: Well, we would hope that within the next year or two, we'd have some preliminary answers. You know, we're all hoping and cheering that lung cancer screening is, uh, you know, does provide a mortality benefit once again, because we don't have uh, a lot of uh, good news in the lung cancer area. We're hoping that it does provide a mortality benefit, and obviously there'll be follow-up studies and following this group of patients for some period of time to get a better delineation on the benefit or the non-benefit.
0: In looking at the benefits and risks of CT screening, does one... Take into account some of the intangible fallout from the potential false positives?
1: Yes, I mean, that's one of the major problems with CT scanning. It is so sensitive that it, you know, picks up a number of things that may actually not impact on the patient's health. You know, we're looking at uh, granulomas <clears throat> that may be false positives. But the problem is that when you find something on the CT scan, it's difficult to know exactly what to do. If you go ahead and resect a a nodule and it turns out not to be a lung cancer, well, obviously, you've done a procedure that was not necessary. And if you decide to watch it, then you're committing the patient to repeated CT scans, not only the cost but the radiation exposure, you know over the course of at least 2 years and we we all oftentimes shouldn't minimize the psychological risk of noting something on the CT scan in other words some individuals have a very rough time knowing something's on the CT scan without knowing exactly what it is and the you know, psychological impact of this finding or this bit of news uh, shouldn't be underestimated as well.
0: Yeah, I think about it. In my practice, the, the patients who are up all night worrying because their alkaline phosphatase is two points low or something, and let alone finding something on a chest CT, that could be a very uh, significant cost to finding something that may not be significant at all. That's correct. Well, I want to thank you, Dr. Michael Alberts, who is the chief medical officer at the H. Lee Moffitt Cancer Center in Tampa, Florida, also past president of the American College of Chest Physicians. He has been discussing with us some of the principles and considerations in trying to screen for lung cancer, particularly using CT technology. This has been Dr. Lee Friedman, your host, and you've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals.